Well, buenos dias, familia. Good morning, everybody. Uh, honestly, what a beautiful day to be together to magnify the Lord, rest in his presence, but also prepare ourselves for the coming week and the spiritual battles that we will be facing. Um, and so I don't know about you guys, but I've received a lot of text messages and phone calls from our church family saying, hey, Misael, I'm sick. And man, I've been praying so much for our church this past week. And so much for you guys, as just we've had so many people sick uh, here at this campus and also at our Wasso campus. So if you'll join me in prayer this week for our church, that would be amazing. I'd appreciate that. Uh, because as you hear in my voice, I don't, I don't think I'm sick, sick. I just have a little like congestion in here. So I've been feeling great. It's just the congestion. So I'd appreciate you guys' prayers. Um, and then I just want to just highlight just some things real quick. Uh, last Sunday night, we had a meeting at our Owasso campus, um, and this meeting was so important for us and so vital for us, where we shared the vision of our church and the direction of our church and where we believe that God is leading us. Um, and so this meeting was something that we had talked about for a couple weeks, saying, hey, this is something you need to be at, something you need to go to, because it's so exciting, because we're able to really share our heart um, as pastors and share our heart of where God is leading us, but also answer some questions um, and ask you guys and ask our church to join us in where God is leading. Um, and so the way we ended that meeting was asking all of our people um, to pray and then also to ask more questions and then to cast a vote. You see, we're a congregational church, which means that there are moments, some some really important moments where together we decide on things as one church and we decide things by voting. And I truly believe that this vote will change the history of our church. It will change the history and trajectory for generations to come. Uh, and so if you were not there last night or last Sunday night, um, you, you can actually go to our app. And if you click on the app and you look at the very top, there's something that says the mission life. And you can see the entire meeting there. And then you can also see some more information and also where to cast your vote as well. Or just right over here outside, there's a black table that has uh, one of these cards. There's actually two, a bigger one and a smaller one. Uh, one that has some question and answers. Uh, this one is actually the one where you can cast your vote. So you could get this guy and put it in that black box or there's another black box in that other area. Um, but really just to condense down what we're voting on, what was said, ultimately here's kind of what we shared. We, we shared our heart to truly embrace the mission vision that drives us and then the mission look that defines us. That's kind of in a condensed form what we did. And as we look at all of that, well, we see um, that those things have some really cool practical implications. And one of those implications of that vision, of that look, would be calling this place, this campus, the Mission Church, or in Spanish, La Misión Iglesia, uh, which is something that could be so historical for us. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to pray, to ask questions, and to vote, because all of that actually ends at 2 p.m. today. Uh, and so you can catch me, or you can go see all the questions and answers on there. Um, and here, I just want to just share a little bit of why I think this is just so important for us. Something for us to, to just think about and to understand. When I look at this area of Tulsa, and when I just look at Tulsa in general, I, I see and have seen, I'll put it this way, I have seen churches, multiple churches, that have dissolved or have died 
And then their church buildings dissolve and die and they turn into parking lots or they turn into just vacant buildings. Um, And it's just so sad to see. Uh, One of them would be Sheridan Road. And uh, there's other churches that I could think of that are actually on the verge of doing that right now, that are on the verge of dissolving their church doors, closing. But you see, by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, this vote is in a sense a commitment together of saying we are not going to see that happen here. We are not going to see that happen in this place. And, and how are we going to do that? We're going to be a people who completely depend on the Lord. We're going to be a people who love the Lord and love our neighbor and obey his commands. And we're going to be a people who passionately share the gospel, who passionately disciple, who passionately serve the Lord, a people who passionately love all people to Christ in such an intentional way, a people who passionately seek to be faithful to the Lord and where he leads and where he goes, a people who passionately put our yes on the table and say, Lord, you're the risen king and I will go where you go. Lord, you're the risen king and I will use all of who I am for your glory. A people who are passionately uh, just so, um, uh, just in love with the Lord that we say, God, we wanna be a people who revive a gospel presence here in this place because we understand that this community needs Jesus more than they need their next meal. They need Jesus more than they need their next breath. And I wanna be a place and a people who passionately pray and seek the Lord in such a way that we see the next generation running around this place like they used to. That we see the next generation growing up here. We see the next generation learning about Jesus, learning how to be single, learning how to date, learning how to be a married couple, learning how to have kids, and learning how to be missionaries here, there, and everywhere. And that's our commitment of saying we will not see that happen here. We will be a people who are committed to passionately do this together. A people who passionately understand that to live the mission life is to live in biblical community. And really when we think about all of this, that's actually the title of this message this morning, is live the mission in community. That's kind of the title. Because as we talk about all of that, Man, we all do this as a family. We do this together, living in biblical community. And so this morning is really a continuation of this sermon series called The Mission Life, where we're looking at some of the seven churches of Revelation, and we're gonna be walking through that again today. And we're just gonna highlight uh, a core value again, because that's just what we've been doing, highlighting a core value of our church. Um, And just, it's really highlighting our year-long commitment again of living the mission life. And so I want you guys to turn to uh, Revelation chapter 3 with me. Revelation chapter 3. And, and as you turn there, I, I just want to give you a scenario because maybe you've been here before. I want to give you a scenario where you're at a birthday party and you're kind of in the circle of people. You know some people, you don't know some people, and, and maybe you have a good friend that's there. And so you're there, and, and you're at this birthday party, and they serve tacos. And you're like, yes, tacos, come on, bring it. And so you're there, and you're eating some tacos, and you know you're not just eating one, right? You're going to eat like five to ten. Like that's kind of the range, especially the little ones. You know what I'm talking about. 
And so you're there and you're like eating your tacos. And, you know, most of the time tacos have what we call cilantro or cilantro, however you want to say that. And so, you know, you're eating your tacos and then, you know, you're having a great time. And you're, again, you're in this circle. But you know what happens with cilantro sometimes? It like gets stuck. You know what I mean? It gets stuck in that little tooth or teeth, I guess. And so as you're eating and you have no idea you have a cilantro stuck up in there. You see, again, you're in this circle of people. There's like three types of friends. There's the friend who's really nice and is discreet and is like, hey, you know, like. Yeah, they try to be really discreet. You have the friend that says nothing, which is the worst. Or you have the friend who in the middle of the circle says, hey, by the way, you have cilantro in your tooth, man. And you're like, dude, come on, come on. Those like three types of people. So as you think about that scenario and as you've gotten to Revelation chapter 3, Jesus in Revelation chapter 3 is going to be that cilantro friend. He's going to be that friend that's like yelling across saying, hey, you have cilantro in your teeth. So there's going to be a couple times I mentioned the cilantro friend as like Jesus. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Cilantro friend where he points out directly what's happening directly in front of their face and calling them out straight up. So, so there'll be sometimes I say, hey, Jesus just straight up calls people out. Well, this is what he's doing right now. So if you're with me, Revelation chapter 3, I want to read for us. Uh, and this time we're just going to be staying seated because uh, I just really want us to focus in right here. So starting in verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 to 6. And I'll read it kind of slow so we can grasp this. So this is Jesus talking, and he starts and he says this. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet I have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they uh, are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord, and praise be to God. Amen. So here's our core value, and I think it's already on the screen, but I just want to give it to you again. The core value is this, is that we live in biblical community. We live in biblical community, authentic biblical community. If there's anything that we learned during COVID and even during this time, 2020, and even now, is that isolation sucks. <laughs> it just does. That isolation manifests lies that we just begin to believe. The isolation is just the worst in the world. The isolation just messes with us. And, and maybe even sometimes we feel surrounded by people, but we still feel alone. Anyone ever feel like that? You're like, man, I'm just surrounded by so many people, but yeah, I still feel by myself. And even as believers, that happens. 
Even as believers who know that God is with us and in us, we still feel so alone. And we're like, man, what is going on here? But you see, we are to live in biblical community because God in his triune nature, in his nature, lives in community with himself. And he has created human beings in such a way to also live in community with God and with other people. And whenever we're isolated or whenever we isolate ourselves, man, that can be unhealthy for our heart, for our soul, for our mind. And yes, yes, God does supply all of our needs. And yes, God is always there. And yes, God gives the best advice in the entire world. But you see, sometimes God provides through other people. You see, sometimes God provides <clears throat> through others who have the Holy Spirit in them. And God sends them and God brings them to our life to supply biblical communities, to supply people who speak into our lives. And that's why for us, living in biblical community is so important and why it's such a core value in our church. And so as we look at this passage, I, I just want to highlight verses 1 to 3. And what verses 1 to 3, here's kind of the first point I want to get from this. Here's the first point. Biblical community keeps us fresh. Biblical community keeps us fresh. And so before I just talk about what it means that biblical community uh, keeps us fresh, I just want to highlight just once again how Jesus establishes his authority and his reign and his kingdom. So here it says, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Again, this is Jesus just showing his power and his might. And what, it, what Jesus is saying here is that, that there's not, what he's not saying is that there's seven Holy Spirits. That's not what he's saying. There's only one Holy Spirit. But what Jesus is saying is he is describing the completeness of the Holy Spirit, meaning that there is these seven aspects and these seven dimensions of the Holy Spirit. And we actually see these in Isaiah chapter 11. Verse 2. So in Isaiah chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 2, we see this one Holy Spirit in different aspects of it. So you have the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of fear. These aspects of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, I hold and I have and have a relationship with a special one with the Holy Spirit in such a full and complete way. This risen Jesus, this risen Lord, the risen Christ is saying, yeah, I hold with me the Holy Spirit. I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But then these seven stars, and if you remember back at chapter 1, these seven stars are actually the angels or the messengers that are supposed to go to the churches. And so it's actually really cool to just kind of see this relationship of saying, man, Jesus is our mediator between God the Father and us and and Jesus and the Holy Spirit work together and God the Father work together. And it's like, all oh, this beautiful thing of just saying, man, Jesus will always magnify God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit will always magnify Jesus and the Father. And so it's just this amazing thing that Jesus is saying. And honestly, again, just establishing his authority, his power, his reign, his rule. And he always does that because then he always follows up with this amazing phrase. He goes, I know your deeds. I know your deeds, I know what you're doing, I know what you have done, and I know why you do it. But do you remember what Jesus has said every time he says that? He goes, I know your deeds, and then he has this beautiful part where he's like, hey, good job. Like, great job, I'm gonna compliment you. That's what he's done with all the rest of the churches, right? He's like, man, here's what I see that you're doing great. I don't know if you noticed, Jesus didn't do that this time. 
Jesus kind of like skipped that part. And he's like, yeah, you guys don't get any compliments. And he goes, I know your deeds. And this is what he says. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Man. Imagine being at that church, the church of Sardis. Imagine Jesus saying to, the, to us that right there. Imagine Jesus standing here and saying, hey, uh, you have a reputation of being alive, but I know you, you are dead. You see, what Jesus is t- telling this church is that, hey, you, your reputation is one thing, but the reality is another. Your reputation says that you're alive, but the reality, because I see it, is that you are dead. You see, this is actually not the first time that Jesus says this. If you want to write down Matthew 23, verse 27, that's a good one to write down because this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and look what he says. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs. So I'm gonna pause right there real quick. So a whitewashed tomb, I just wanna put this picture in your mind. Imagine this like, this, this box made out of stone that's on top of the ground and it's white and people like to clean it so it's nice and pretty, but inside is a dead body, okay? So imagine it's like, like on top of the ground, that's what I want you to imagine. So you are like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Man, that one, that one hits. You see, today, we would still call that hypocrisy, but today, we would also use words like, man, you're fake, man, you're a little sus, man, you have a mask on, you're living on a lie, Man, I can see that you're trying to fake it until you make it. That's kind of what was happening right here where Jesus is saying, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I don't think I need to illustrate this, but I just want you to think about this. Imagine those moments where you even went to the store to buy an apple or your mom or dad went to go buy an apple. And uh, because you love, you know, fruit so much, you only ate one of the five apples and now the rest of the four apples are just kind of sitting there. No one else touches those apples. But then a week goes by or a couple of days go by and you're like, hey, you know what? I guess I'll eat another apple. So you go, you grab the apple because you're like, man, it still looks great. This looks awesome. And you bite into it. And you know that like that mushy bite that you get and it's like brown and black inside and you're just like, oh, I never want to eat another apple again. The apple, it looked great. It looked awesome. It looked like it was healthy, edible. But then you bite into it and the inside is just rotting, just rotting. You see, if you would have put that in the fridge, maybe it would have stayed fresh. And when I think about biblical community, biblical community keeps you fresh. It's kind of like the fridge, the fridge that keeps you fresh. It's this biblical community that keeps you from rotting, from rotting. To where when we are in biblical community, it puts us around other people who have the Holy Spirit, people that we trust, people that can like look at our lives and just straight up call us out. 
people in our lives who can see the warning signs of us isolating ourselves or the warning signs of us being in a bad place spiritually. It puts us around people who come alongside of us that can really refresh our souls, that can freshen us and say, man, let's live in an authentic community to where we can combat the lies that you're living in or combat the things that you're walking into. That's why I'm saying that biblical community keeps us fresh. Because if we're honest with ourselves, man, we need that. If we're honest with ourselves, if we're just isolating ourselves from everybody else, man, we will maybe begin to rot inside. And so let's just kind of be honest, okay? Let's just be honest. If Jesus were to look at us, would he say, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. If Jesus looked at you, would he say, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead? You see, maybe, maybe he would say this because one time you prayed a prayer or one time you walked an aisle, but that's all you did. You didn't really put your faith and trust in him. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe you've been faking being a believer in Jesus because that's what your parents wanted, your grandparents wanted. That's what your school wanted. But really, you've just been a faker and faking being a believer in Jesus. And honestly, you have no desire to love Jesus. You have no desire to worship him. You have no desire to serve him. You have no desire to have a relationship with him. You have no desire of, of worshiping and obeying him. And you see, in my opinion, that's, that might be the worst thing in the world to think to just think that you're saved, but you're not, to convince yourself that you are in Christ, but you're not, because in that moment, you're, you're breathing, like we sang about, you're breathing, but you're not alive. And so would Jesus look at us and say that? Because maybe, maybe if I were to ask you, hey, did Jesus die on the cross? You'd say, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, here's what I want you to hear me say this morning, and, I, and I, <clears throat> I'd encourage you to write this down. To know that Jesus died on the cross is history. To know that Jesus died on the cross is history. It's historical. But to know that Jesus died on the cross for you is salvation. To know that Jesus died on the cross for you is salvation. For me, for my sin. To know that he died for my sin is salvation. And what Jesus says in verse two is so important for us. He says, wake up. Wake up. And then I wanna point something else out to you because maybe that's not you. <clears throat> but in verse two, he says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. You see, the church's deeds looked wonderful to the community, to the people outside the church. But Jesus knew. He knew them. Jesus knew what was happening. And he knew that these church people... These church people were living in hypocrisy rather than living in holiness. 
they're living in this hypocrisy, living in this lie. And Jesus is also telling them, wake up. Wake up. And you just have to ask yourself, like we have to ask ourselves, how in the world does a church begin to rot? How in the world does a church begin to have a reputation of being alive, but they're actually dead? Like, how does that actually happen? And as we see all of this, we see that when you begin to neglect Jesus, when you begin to neglect the Holy Spirit, when you begin to neglect living in biblical community, that's when the rotting begins to happen. Because you're not being kept fresh. You're not being reminded of these things. You're not being kept fresh and saying, man, we are in Christ and so I don't know if you guys have ever read, of, uh, read the book, um, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. There's a book out there. It's, it's a really small book. It's, a, it's by a guy named Tom Rainer. And uh, Tom Rainer is an author, a Christian author, and he did a lot of research on churches that had died. And so in his book, there's, there's these chapters, and he gives out the fatal causes of church death. And so I want to give you this list that he gives. So here's the list. He goes, here's why churches die. They treat the past as hero. They treat the past as hero. They refuse to adapt to the needs of their community. That's number two. They refuse to adapt to the needs of the community. Number three, they stop practicing the Great Commission. They stop practicing the Great Commission. Number four, They have a inward focus budget. So most of their money goes to the inside of the walls rather than the outside of the walls. Number five, they let the church become preference driven. They let the church become preference driven. The next, they fail to pray regularly. They fail to to pray regularly. And then the last one is this, is that they obsess over facilities. They obsess over facilities. So these are the things that Tom Rainer saw in all these churches that had died, and he dissected them and said, this is why they began to rot from the inside out. And so for me, I just kind of condensed all of this in, in, in a couple of statements of saying churches begin to rot when they put more energy into arguing over preferences like arguing over personal preferences rather than praying for personal professions of faith. I'll say that one more time. That they spend more energy on arguing for personal preferences rather than praying for personal professions of faith. Here's a second one. They spend more energy looking down at the next generation rather than raising up the next generation. They spend more energy on looking down at the next generation rather than raising up the next generation. And then here's the third one. They spend more energy spectating rather than participating in what God is doing. They spend more time spectating rather than participating in what God is doing. And again, in all of this, This is a group effort, a family effort, a community effort. We need to live an authentic biblical community to keep us fresh, to make sure we look at each other in the eye and say, hey, I see the cilantro in your teeth. I'm going to be that cilantro friend that just calls it out straight up. So we see that in verses 1 to 3. 
Then I want to point to verses four to six for us. <clears throat> so we've seen that biblical community keeps us fresh. Well, the second thing we see is that biblical community keeps us focused. Biblical community keeps us focused. I want to read starting in verse four one more time for us. It says this, <clears throat> yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who's victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. So here we see that there are some people who actually, a few people in Sardis, who did not soil their clothes. Now, that doesn't mean well, you might think it means, but what that really means <clears throat> is that there are some people who had not been corrupted by the hypocrisy. They had not been corrupted to live a fake life. They were not corrupted in being the fakers, those who were sus, those who were like, man, what's going on? But they were the faithful few who truly and genuinely put their faith in Jesus and said, okay, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to walk with the Lord. And I can just imagine because it was only a few, I can just imagine the kind of community they needed to have to where they didn't fall into the majority. You see, this is not the first time Jesus says something like this either. If you want to write down Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus clearly says that it is this broad way, this, this, this broad uh, street, you could say, that leads to destruction. But it is the narrow way, the narrow gate that leads to life. So this is not the first time that Jesus says this, and this is not the first time that Jesus says, hey, the majority is not always right, but it's narrow the way, narrow the gate that leads to life. And again, I can just imagine the biblical community that had to happen in order to stay faithful, to point out the cilantro, to be able to say, hey, let's, let's stick with it. Let's stick with it. And then as we, as we continue to read, <clears throat> we see that these people, and then it kind of shifts to a more broader scale. These people and all those who continue to be faithful in the Lord, they'll be dressed in white. Dressed in white and they will walk with me. And I love that aspect of dressed in white because we've been a little heavy this morning, right? Like a little like, but here's kind of the encouragement here. Those who are the few, those who walk in the narrow gate, those who walk with the Lord, who have genuinely been transformed by him, will be dressed in Christ, meaning dressed in holiness, dressed in righteousness, dressed in purity, dressed in nobility, dressed in royalty, dressed in victory. And so all those who have placed their faith in Jesus are dressed in royalty and you are royalty because you are the son and the daughter of the risen king, the king of all creation, the king of the universe. And so that's us. So that's a super encouraging thing of saying maybe, maybe if you've been walking in life and you've just been really down, I just want to encourage you, you are royalty in Christ. You have been made pure in Christ. You're a son and daughter of Christ. And as those of us who stand as the few, just like these in Sardis, and those of us, we have to keep each other focused on the main thing, focused on the goal, focused on Jesus, because it's so easy to be distracted. And so just, I just wanna give you just my personal experience with this. Um, 
I, I didn't know what discipleship was until I was in college. Uh, that's just because of the way I grew up. And so in college, I began to have this biblical community with, with some friends and, and just some mentors of mine. And as I've just walked in life, they've been there with me the entire time in, in times of confusion, in times of frustration. And there are still people today and friends today that I can call up right now. We literally talk every single week together and live in biblical community, even though they're like kind of far away. But in those moments of confusion and frustration, I just want to share with you the questions that they've asked me, and I would encourage you to write these down, not because I said them or asked them, but because they did, and they pierced my heart, and I thought they were really good, so I just want to share it with you, because this is, it, this is just a part of what living in biblical community looks like. So these are the questions that my friends and my mentors and the people I live uh, in biblical community with have asked me to kind of point out the cilantro in my teeth. So here's some questions. Whenever I come to them with something, I'm like, hey, I'm confused or hey, I'm frustrated. They ask me these questions. Have you genuinely prayed about this for a period of time? Have you genuinely prayed about this for a period of time? And then they go, Misael, I hear your confusion. I hear your frustration. But tell me, are you in sin right now? That's all, that's all they'll ask me. They say, I hear what you're telling me. I hear the confusion, I hear the frustration, but are you in sin right now? Here's the next question that they've asked me. <laughs> I hear your confusion, I hear your frustration, but is there any way that you could find a positive in this? Is there any way that you could maybe say what you're saying in a positive way? Give me the positives here. Here's, here's something else. He said, I, I hear your question, I hear your confusion, I hear your frustration, but can we just pray together and then ask for the Lord to give us some biblical wisdom here? And then this last one has been a recent one in my life. So I'm about to share with you something kind of personal. They look at me or they, they're on the phone and they go, Misael, I hear your confusion. I hear your frustration. But do you know, like, do you actually really know that Jesus cares way more than you do? <laughs> I'm like, wow. Do you really know that Jesus cares way more for the church than you do? Do you know that Jesus cares way more for people than you do? Misael, do you know that Jesus cares way more for you than you care for yourself? Misael, do, do you know that Jesus cares way more? And in every single instance like that, friends, family, they are helping me focus and focus and focus and focus. And that's why I say that biblical community helps us focus. It keeps us focused. Because without them, I, I might be thinking something different or thinking a lie. So we've applied a couple things together to make it kind of personal. I've shared a couple stories, talked about the cilantro and the teeth. I hope you remember that, by the way. But here's kind of the application, and it's really simple for us, and you might think this is way too simple, but I think some of us are maybe not living in biblical community. And so here's the application. Find biblical community. Find biblical community. It's, it's really as simple as that. And the best way to find biblical community, and in my opinion, is the church. 
that <clears throat> it is the church where we can find biblical community because in the church, you have these things called small groups. And in small groups, it puts you in a position and, and with people that you're in a more personal relationship with. Like you're not just sitting by them at church, but like you're kind of here in a circle, you're interacting. And so in this small group, you're able to actually maybe find people to live biblical community with. You see, because it's within that small group that we have to be honest, we're not gonna be best friends with everybody in our small group. Okay, let's just be honest, let's be honest. But that there can be like two or three people within this small group that you can live biblical community with, that each other, you keep each other fresh, you keep each other focused. As you guys walk through life together, as you walk through life and you say, hey, this is what's going on in my life, will you help pray with me? Here's some questions I have. Here's some confusion that I have. Here's some frustrations that I have. And they keep you fresh and they keep you focused. And so that's really the big application for us this morning, which I know sounds really, really simple, but I think it's so vital for us. So saying, who are my two or three people that I'm living in biblical community with? Who, who are those in my life? And then I wanna give you uh, the Mission Life Challenge. Uh, which last Sunday, the Mission Life Challenge was to read First Peter. And so I'm not gonna have you raise your hands of who actually did that, but I wanna encourage you, if you didn't, uh, to do it this week, to read the entire, the entire book of First Peter, because as I read it, as I did the Hero Journal, uh, man, God refreshed my soul, especially with chapter one, man. And so the Mission Life Challenge for, for this, this week for us is this, to engage in a small group to engage in a small group. And here's what I mean by that. If you're someone who just kind of like shows up, how, how about you engage a small group in a, in, a, in a deeper way of saying, you know what, I'm not just gonna show up, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak up too. I'm gonna speak up in my small group. Or maybe you're someone who shows up and also speaks up. I wanna encourage you to say, hey, maybe I should interact in the group chat a little bit more. Or if, or if maybe you're someone who shows up, speaks up, speaks up in the, in the group chat, Maybe, maybe it's time for us to say, hey, I don't think I've gone to lunch with you and we've been in small group together for a while. How, how about we go like hang out outside of Sunday morning or outside of our small group time? I wanna encourage you to engage in your small group in such a way that it's not just something you do, but it's a group of people who you trust, you live with in, in community with and a group of people who you say, hey, I just like hanging out with you. And as we hang out, we're gonna refresh each other and we're gonna help each other focus on the goal, focus on Jesus and point out that cilantro in our teeth that we sometimes have. Because sometimes we don't know it. And sometimes we look in the mirror, we see the cilantro and we wanna keep it there. So what I wanna do in this moment is just pray for us and then we're gonna continue to worship the Lord together. Lord, thank you that you are so straight up sometimes. God, it's hard to hear. And God, sometimes we don't like it. But Lord, thank you that you love us enough and you care so much for us to, to point us back in the right direction to say, hey, I'm here. Thank you that you are so merciful that you give us chances. Like we, we don't deserve chances. We don't deserve that, but you still give it to us. Lord, we have, we have studied 
this morning. And Lord, you're so faithful to say that every time we open up your word, it speaks. So Lord, I have no doubt that you have spoken to some, if not all, this morning. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take that and would ingrain it in their hearts and their minds, that they would be transformed by your word, not just by hearing it, but by doing it as well. Lord, we love you. We continue to pray for our brothers and sisters, our family that are sick, that are hurting, and that need to be reminded that they are loved by you, loved by their church. Lord, help us be a church that seek to live in biblical community so that we may be refreshed and focused to accomplish what you've called us to accomplish, to glorify you, to use all of who we are, because you are worthy of that. Lord, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.